Namo tassa pakawato arahato samma sambutassa. Namo tassa pakawato arahato samma sambutassa. Namo tassa pakawato arahato samma sambutassa. Bhutang damang sankang namasami. So, how's it going? <laughs> I had a terrible sitting just now. Not terrible, it's very tired. And uh, why should that be tired? Uh, why should that be terrible? It's not really terrible, it's just tired, right? It only becomes terrible if I define it as, I don't want it this way. And so it wasn't really terrible. It was... Uh, there's a lot of work. <laughs> so Lumpa Cha would, would say the difficulties you face, uh, the hindrances or the challenges or the people, they're your, your uh, partners and your assistants in developing parami. And if you look at it that way, then you don't really get into those uh, dualistic definitions, this is a good meditation or this is a bad meditation. So for me, this meditation, I was retired for some reason, and so it was just looking at you. <laughs> and actually, I was very inspired. Fortunately, it was dark, so I couldn't see what's going on. <laughs> but anyway, from my perspective, it was very inspiring to see everyone, uh, you know, mature people working very, very hard to, to do this uh, meditation thing that we do. <laughs> very few people do this. Very few people have the, uh, I would say, the what is it? It's the it's the guts to do it. And that's one way we might say in English, the courage, the courage to actually, you know, sit here day after day and look at your mind with your knee aching or, or, or you know, falling asleep or whatever it is. That takes great courage, isn't it? Just, just to stick it out. So my compliments to you. Anyway, so I just, I watched you for 45 minutes. And you know, the body wants to slump, or just so it wasn't very uh, terribly interesting and all that, but the result is peaceful, right? So um, the result is good, and and that 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 whole idea of building parami uh, is very much in in the Thai tradition, isn't it? The Thai force tradition, and, and probably all Buddhist traditions, that it's not so much the the quality of the experience that we're concerned about it's the capacity to take any experience and understand it as dharma and apply appropriate effort so that the consequences are less suffering huh? so here I am <laughs> uh, but just to share with you you know this 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 what practice is it's it's like so this character's been at it for uh, 46 years, and, and yeah, he's tired. Um, but fortunately, I've, I've worked with tiredness a lot, so I know exactly what to do. 
So it's not that these different energies don't come up, it's just you, you understand the craft very, very clearly. You know what the mind does and you know how to apply effort uh, appropriately. So it's not a problem, it's just, it's just the work of the craft. Well, there is a question here um, I could address. I wanted to address part of it anyway. What does it mean to embr- embrace your fear in practice? Could you please explain dependent arising in more detail? So, um, I want to actually talk about uh, Dittupadana. So, in, uh, in the formulation I presented earlier, uh, I said there's contact, feeling, craving, upadana, bhava, and the whole shlamazala of birth, old age, sickness, and death. So upadana is uh, attachment. And again, attachment has a dual meaning. It means both uh, grasping and the fuel, which creates more grasping and more suffering. And the image is a, a fire, which if you witness it, the fire goes away and the coolness of Nibbana is realized. And so Nibbana is the cooling of a fire. That's where that imagery comes from. And apparently it was a common phrase in Indian languages at that time. If you saw a fire which had gone out, it had been Nibbana'd. Uh, now, of course, it's become a buzzword or a huge word, so it um, has all kinds of huge perceptions, justifiably so. Um, so upadana then is in, in, that, in that series, it's defined as uh, kamupadana, dittupadana, uh, silabhattupadana, and atavadupadana. So kamupadana is the, just the constant preoccupation with sense experience, attachment to sense experience. And I tend to, I like the word preoccupation for myself because the way I've thought about it is is as long as my attention is preoccupied with the conditions, I cannot realize the unconditioned. That's the way my mind operates. So it's the idea of not that that sensuality is wrong uh, and that I shouldn't ever have any interest in sense experience. That would be very repressive and, and a horrible way to live your life. But just, just the limitations of, of sense experience, that as long as I'm always attending to sense experience, doing this, thinking about that, then the mind has no space and no availability. I like the word available. I don't know how you say that in Thai. But I'm not available to the unconditioned, correct? Right? So if I'm looking at the clock, I'm not available to the bell. Right? Obviously. So if my attention cannot be preoccupied with sense experience, so that the buzz, the, the word for me is not preoccupied. I'm still experiencing uh, sense data and, 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 and responding to sense data. I have to, I'm a human being. But I don't have to be preoccupied with that. I can see it happening, can't I? I can see myself kind of, uh, say, like in the sitting, just being very tired. And I don't have to be preoccupied. I can be aware of that. Right? 
And it took me a while to learn that, and it does. You know, I can be preoccupied with it and do that. I just gone into Gaga land, and it took a while to figure that out. So that's preoccupied, or it's called sleep, <laughs> or sitting sleep. And, and so obviously, if I'm there doing that, then there's no chance of realizing the unconditioned. So it's the preoccupation with, and that's, that's the way I look at Kamupadana. And, and then all kinds of ways that might happen. Um, so Dittopadana is the, the, the uh, attachment to views. Ditti, right? we say, konmi ditti mak, right? You say someone who's very opinionated, has a lot of uh, opinions. Um, so opinions are, are, are natural and, and, and you need opinions, right? And we use opinions, we use an analytical mind. So what would attachment to opinions be? Why would that prevent you from realizing the unconditioned? Why would that be a source of suffering? Or when? When? When does an opinion, when does an opinion become uh, suffering for you, for me? Well, um, when it when it limits me in some way, so um, but if I say I like uh, I can I can never be enlightened. Well, that's an opinion, right? Probably, and okay, then you're stuck. Or I can never uh, realize nibbana. Or I have to, you know, I'm 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 so pathetic. I have to do this for another at least four thousand lifetimes you know, before I'll even be able to wake up or, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I know that's silly, but we quite often do that. We limit ourselves through some kind of dit upadana, some kind of attachment of who I am and what I can or can't be. But that's just a thought. That's just an idea in the mind. And when I see an idea and and say, say, like, say, Western culture, uh, a lot lot of us in, in Western culture have strong self-disparagement. You know, I'm not, I'm not good enough. Uh, I shouldn't be like this. Uh, I shouldn't have done that. Very, very strong. That's a viewpoint. Dittupadana, right? And that can be so strong that it, uh, it, it, it just keeps coming up and my whole sense of, of who I am is limited and bound by Dittupadana. And where does that, where does that come from? Where does that come from? Why does that arise? Well, it has to arise somehow from this series. Uh, contact, feeling, and then and the attachment. So why does that come up like that? Well, sometimes it can just be a, a kind of a habit. So let's say, um, to say something like, one of the important parts of Buddhism is developing hidiotapa. So hidiotapa is conscience. And it's a sense of, if we don't have hidiotapa, we're in trouble, right? So someone like Stalin didn't have much hidiotapa, a little bit short on hidiotapa. Um, I wonder about the... Anyway, well, I won't go there. Um, <laughs> I was going to talk politics, but I won't go there. Um, 
So hiriyotapa is a very healthy state of mind. I, 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 I do something. Um, let's say I say something to you because I'm in a bad mood and I insult you. And then I walk away from that. And then I go back to my kuti and think, ah. Oh. And I have a feeling. I have a resultant feeling. So with contact as condition, I get an unpleasant feeling because I've acted in a way which is uh, coming from a negative place and I realize now I've hurt you. So the contact now is memory, right? Memory comes up of having insulted you and you just fed me. <laughs> and you were nice to me and you bowed to me and I called you a turkey or something like that, right? So, so go back to my kuti and I feel... And I feel this horrible, horrible feeling. Now that horrible, horrible feeling is actually a very profitable feeling. It's a good feeling in a sense that it warns me, it tells me that when you do this kind of activity, you're going to get this result. Hiriyotapa protects me, protects me from being a monster. People who don't have Hiriyotapa are monstrous. So this feeling comes up and then because I'm not aware, and because I, I have taken a position of self-hatred, I then go into the viewpoint that I'm a horrible person. I shouldn't be like this. Horrible, horrible, bad monk, bad monk. <laughs> bad, bad, bad. And, and that makes me feel better. You know, this is the odd thing about self-hatred. So I feel the hiriotapa, that's contact. Right? And that contact is unpleasant. Now, rather than just being with that contact and learning from it, I then take it into thought, and I take a position or a ditti or a viewpoint, I am a bad person. And that's also called atavadupadana. That's also taking it, making a person out of it. Now, I still need to take responsibility for that, but the consequence of doing that, dittupadana and atavadupadana, is that I become a person who hates myself. And of course, what will happen then, two days later, I'll hate you. Una. Because hate is hate. So the more hatred I put into my mind, even though it feels good or right that I hate myself because I hated you, I'm just putting more hatred into the mind. And so in stream of consciousness, hatred will arise more. If you look at stream of consciousness, now, if, if, if I then do it a different way, I say something unkind to you, I walk away from it and I feel this remorse. And now I say, oh, I'm with the unpleasant. Unpleasant feels this way. I don't take it into Dittupadana. I feel it, I feel it, I feel it. What happens? It makes me very conscious that in stream of consciousness, when I do this, I get that. Dependent origination is also um, uh, the, the idea that with this as condition, that arises. When there's this, there's that. We call it this, that conditionality. So sometimes, Paticca Samupada, we put it out as the 12 factors, but its basic, its basic model is with this, there is that. When there is this, there's that. If there's not this, there's not that. So if I'm looking at this, that conditionality, if I'm looking at how that works, I feel this deep, deep, deep remorse, 
And it, it, it will then inform me then, oh, when I do that, I get suffering. When I do that, I get suffering. Now this registers in me very, very deeply because it's so painful. That will make me much more careful in the future of not doing that. If I do the other, if I take a position that I am a terrible person, I'm bad, 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 I've not really felt this. I've not felt the hideotip, I've not felt the remorse, I've not felt the regret. What I've done, it created a self that hates. And then I will hate again. But the other is an opening of the heart. I feel, oh, oh, and I don't want to feel that. Tanha doesn't want to feel that. Ego doesn't want to feel that. But if I stay with it, if I stay with it, I'm going to be really careful in the future. So next time I'm in a bad mood and you're there, I'll say, you, no, I won't. You, no, I won't. Why? Because I don't want that result. I don't want that consequence. It will make me more mindful, right? So that's one example. Um, sometimes we, we find security in, in, in views and opinions. Like sometimes people can be very domineering, right? Um, and, and then that's a way of, of having power, right? having power in whatever field I'm in. Quite often that's, that hides fear. So I might, I might have, a, uh, let's say, people who are arrogant, right? Uh, who have, like, what I've, I've, I've found interestingly enough in the monasteries, the people who have the strongest opinions also doubt a lot. Now that's an interesting one, isn't it? You know, like, I just think of one monk who I won't mention. Uh, Two monks, I won't mention. Three monks, you know, if they come on. <laughs> and, and, and it's interesting, they'll have really strong views. This is, this is it. And then I'll talk to them later, but actually they have a lot of doubt too. And so you can see sometimes the way um, people will deal with doubt is to have a strong opinion. Ditupadana. And, and, and the danger there is, of course, you find security in that which is insecure. To find, you know, you'll find confidence in that which is not really secure. Now, there's a difference, like I find, the confidence to say, I don't know, that's confidence, but it's not a position, it's not an opinion. Whereas, this is right, like, like, some, like one of the arguments that I've heard in Theravada Buddhism for 46 years is, me and Uttama were discussing this, it's the... Is cheese allowable or not? <laughs> I mean, if you're a monk, it's funny. It's really funny. It's like, no, it isn't. Yes, it is. It says in a text. Yeah, but it says this in a text. So for 45 years, I've heard the cheese argument in Theravada Buddhism. Uh, <laughs> it'll probably, it's probably going on for 2,000 years. And, and, and yet... And yet, you know, you can see uh, this kind of, this is right. <laughs> the, the other is wrong. You know, just give me the cheese, will you? <laughs> so, you know, people can justify this in the text and all the rest of it. But when does it become suffering? When it's self-righteous? Huh? When it's domineering? When it's invested with ego? Obviously. So... 
you know, I can have an opinion, like, um, like, like to say that um, law of karma, say, uh, that I think killing is a very bad idea. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty confident that that's true. Killing is not, not such a good thing to do. And if you told me, no, killing is a really good thing to do, I said, okay, you want to do it. I mean, just, I hope I'm not around. Um, but my, my happiness, my freedom, my uh, viewpoint isn't dependent whether or not you agree with me. You know, if you come to me and say, um, actually, Buddhism was just an invention by George Schultz a hundred years ago or someone, I said, fine. It works for me. It doesn't matter. Uh, whereas sometimes you see like kind of evangelical religions, you have to believe in this. This is true. This is the word and so on and so forth. And that's the beauty of Buddhism. You don't even have to believe that the Buddha lived. Right? If some, someone says to you, well, I don't, I, don't, I don't even think the Buddha lived. They say, oh, okay, good, fine. You don't have to argue. Because why? Because the Dhamma, you know. You know it works. And it's beyond thought. It's beyond views and opinions. When you know suffering and the end of suffering, that's not an opinion. Right? Or, or like once I remember I was in Auckland. And there was a, a, a woman. And, and, and there was a man next door who was Hindu. To the, in, this, in Auckland, in the Auckland... <laughs> Go back. The Auckland Vihara is in the city of, of Auckland, and I used to teach there once a month when I was in New Zealand. And, and it's in a, in a suburban area, and I got to know a gentleman next door who was a beautiful, beautiful man. And his perceptions of religion were through the ideas of God, Brahma, and things like that. And whatever his language was, he was beautiful, really a very loving and beautiful being. And I, you know, I just plugged into that. I didn't plug into his theology. I didn't care. He was a beautiful being. So I invited him the next day. For, for we, we had an open day, and I would come for Donna and join us. He said, oh, yes, I would like that, yes. <laughs> How they shake their heads. And uh, so he came, and then in, I happened to end up in a, in a room with him and, and another a lady who was a, from a traditional Buddhist background. And he started to talk about God. And she said, we don't believe in God. We believe in anatta. I said, oh, God, you, <laughs> you stupid woman. <laughs> and, you know, I believe in anatta. What does that mean, right? And she was totally insensitive, utterly unaware of this beautiful human being, right? Because she took a position. I once had a dana uh, at, at, in a... In a in a Buddhist country, uh, and I used the word, uh, I think I used the word niroda in a way which was a bit unconventional. Unfortunately, at the dana, there was a woman whose husband was a Pali scholar, and she was a Pali scholar, and when I used it in, law, in the wrong way, she went for my jugular. I thought she was going to kill me. I said, it's only a word. You know, you can't use that word that way. Whoa, whoa, lady, lady, cool out. And all the people were embarrassed, totally embarrassed, right? But she was right, you know? <laughs> so Lobo Samedi used to kind of teach 
right view and righteous view. Huh? So where that comes up is in like when 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 we when we see things, we're in more in a more practical sense, or like when we have views and opinions about people, and when we you know we have like when we're you know, kind of critical of things or judgmental of things, and we hold to those, those really alienate us. And not that we don't have, you know, not that we should not be critical or judgmental, but it's when we hold to that. And when we, when we lose a perspective that it's mine. And Lompa Cha was very good at that. You know, I, I was, I think I was sharing an example with someone where we were about to move from London to Chithurst, and Lompoa Cha was visiting during that move, and he was living in the Hampstead Vihara, and there was also a gentleman there who was uh, German, Walter Stengel, and uh, he was a very uh, formidable fellow, quite old, and, and uh, strong-wheeled, and so on and so forth, and Walter was going to, he's, he's in the Buddha Comes to Sussex, if you've ever seen that video. <laughs> and anyway, I thought, hmm, this character at Chithurst, he was going to be our gardener. And I thought, oh, I don't know. So I went to Lompocha. And I thought, you know, the master knows everyone, reads everyone's minds or something like that. And I said, Lompo, what do you think of Walter? You know, you know what's, you know, being in the monastery and being our gardener. He'd never lived in monasteries. And Lone Paul looked at me and says, My nah. I was very disappointed. Can't you just give me an opinion? And what he did, I'm sure he had some perspective on Walter as a human being, but he, he showed me that, you know, if you fix Walter as anything, then you'll never know Walter. He wasn't saying he's going to turn out good, bad, or indifferent, but, you know, he suggested to me, Know him as he appears to you. And this is what Lompoliam is saying. Good people, there are no good people or bad people. They are just as they are. So our mind, you know, our mind needs to operate with judgment. You can't have that. I mean, if you, you know, if you have a bad plumber, you make a judgment, well, he's a bad plumber. It's not that you're kind of naive and say, oh, may you be well and happy and fix my plumbing again. You, you say, you're fired. Get out of here. Which is okay, there's nothing wrong with that. But it's this egotistical holding to views and opinions where it causes suffering. And that's different than not, you know, than, than like, like you can have an opinion, but what is the holding? Why does that create so much suffering? Well, quite often because the opinion is coming from a bad place, it's coming from aversion, it's coming from fear. It's coming from greed, it's coming from different kind of places. So it's actually not informed by uh, experience or, or compassion or whatever. It's informed by delusion. And when something's informed by delusion, then, then you have to suffer the consequences. So when a views and opinions create a strong sense of me and you, right? That's, that to me is a sign. Be careful. Be careful because that, like if I'm really, you know, if I'm really judgmental about someone because I'm annoyed at them, not only do I create them, I create myself, right? Whereas with a plumber, I look at his plumbing, I say, pathetic. Sorry, we're not going to pay you. But I don't hate the guy. I just want my money back. 
right? It's only business. Business is okay. But I don't have to hate him and, and, you know, kind of then plot his downfall or whatever. So views and opinions are are necessary, but they can be uh, so deluding. So, so very, very deluding. I had, I had, uh, you know, I've, I've had experience like giving talks, giving Dhamma talks. Uh, I'll, I'll come away from a Dhamma talk think, oh, that was pathetic. That is just pathetic. And then some will say, Bhante, that was the best Dhamma talk I've ever heard. Huh? What? Are you serious? I'll do the other too. I think, fabulous talk. And then, what, what were you talking about? My name. <laughs> really don't know, right? So, so you, you, you have views and opinions and so on, but you just, okay, that's the position, that's the viewpoint. And, and then you're tentative. You're tentative. You, you test it out. When, when, when the critical mind is, um, when the mind is just very judgmental and critical from dosa, that is a lot of suffering. That is a lot of suffering. Then you have to start to really uh, put into the mind other things, don't you? Like, you know, if, you, like if, if the mind is just very judgmental and critical all the time, you have to bring it to metta. Okay, this person is pathetic, but may they be free from suffering, right? This person is really, you know, terrible, terrible, you know, they have terrible taste. How can they wear white and black all the time? <laughs> terrible taste, how do they do that? But may they be free from suffering, you know? So you start to put <laughs> other, other information in there. So when the mind has become very critical and only sees one little narrow bit of the human being, then that's trouble. That's trouble. So, or you do that to yourself. You only see this one very narrow bit. So if you're very critical to yourself, like, you know, you're not, you don't feel you're successful on the retreat, whatever success you define as, then you say, yeah, but I'm keeping the precepts, right? I'm trying. I go to the sittings. And that's another, pre- that's true. That's true. Yeah, that's true. So the skill of, of having an opinion, uh, you know, and being smart, but also the, 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 the destructiveness of, of conceit and negative opinion that can be so very, very harmful to ourselves and others. It's a big one, isn't it? You know, it's a big one, how, how, how the mind works. I remember once we were walking with Tanju Kunpanyananda, you remember him, Tancho Kun Panya from Cholapatan? A oh, beautiful man. And he came to New Zealand several times. So we're down in Christchurch. We're walking across the field. And this guy comes running across the field. And, you know, we're really open. Oh, good, someone's interested in monks. Be careful. And he's, he's, a, he's, a, he's a Jehovah's Witness. And he starts telling Tanjo Gumpanyana, you're evil. Oh, God. You know? <laughs> and you're like totally unaware of this beautiful, beautiful human being. The, 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 one of the more kind of bizarre situations I, that we had once in... in um, this was in Oxford at Oakenholt. And you, have you heard of Goenka? You know, Mr. Goenka has, the, 
he had the, well, they still have these retreats. And, and they're very, very regimented, they're very formulated, and always you hear the same kind of tapes from Mr. Goenka. Seven days are over, two days left to work, if you've ever done one. And anyway, uh, these retreats, you have to start the retreat, and you can't come in the middle because then you don't have the purity of the retreat. So Mr. Coleman, who was organizing this retreat, invited Lompo Cha to teach, give a talk on a retreat, rather than one of these tapes, on day four. About ten retreatants wouldn't listen to Lompo Cha because Lompo Cha hadn't started the retreat with them. Bah. <laughs> bah, 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 bah. They were, you know, they were so attached to a view that you have to start the retreat to be pure that they wouldn't listen to Lompo Cha. I mean, just like craziness. Crazy, crazy, crazy. And it can seem so very real. Right? So, whereas metta bhavana, you know, like judgment excludes, doesn't it? You're different than me. Racism. Racism is a classic example of, of, of Dittupadana. You're raised in a culture where a certain race is, is considered to be inferior. You believe it. Right? Um, opinions about what women can do and what women can't do. It's a viewpoint. You know? uh, li like in the West, a lot of people hate religion. You know, they think that, that all religious people are child abusers or something. I don't know. <laughs> and and you, it, I, when, I, when I went to my father's funeral in 1987, uh, I'm from a Latvian background, and um, the Latvians were quite cruel to my mother because I had become a monk, right? It's not a Latvian thing to do. And uh, it was interesting going to the funeral. It was really interesting because this was this old European culture. And I was now walk, I, and I had been a part of it as a kid. I went to Latvian camp and Latvian, uh, uh, I learned Latvian in, in, a, in Saturday school. And I went to a Latvian basketball team. I had a Latvian girlfriend, blah, 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 blah. So very, very uh, cultural kind of thing. So I was a freak. <laughs> So then I come to the funeral. Now, this will be interesting, right? This is kind of old guard, conservative Latvian culture. I'm going to see who reacts how to me. And what was interesting was two-thirds of the people stayed on the other side of the room. <laughs> like I had a disease. But one-third came to me and said, so what is this? So who are you? What are you doing? They weren't afraid. They hadn't taken a position. The others thought, you know, I, I was contagious. <laughs> and, 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 and there's so much of the world is, suffers from that. This, you, know, all the, you know, all the different ways that we do that. That's all Dittupadana. And there's so much of it, isn't there? Dittupadana, politics or, or, or whatever. So it's not wrong to have views and opinions, but how does it create suffering, alienation, and so on? And so what does it mean to embrace your fear? I would say don't take the, don't take the position that it's uh, your fear. Try to see it as fear. I mean, obviously it is my fear in that sense, but try to see it as an object 
rather than being a personal problem which you have to overcome. You know, I've got a real fear problem. No, fear is like this. It feels like this. And that's embracing it, right? Uh, allowing it to be there. So the antidote, because the problem with fear is the fear of fear. The problem with uh, terror is the fear of terror. So the, the antidote to that is the welcoming of fear. And that's what metta bhavana is towards fear. I had one occasion at, in, um, where was it? Amravati. And there was this interesting character uh, who was a, a, a beautiful man, beautiful man, strong Christian, very strong Christian, in the most loving part of the Christian tradition. Deep, deep kind of metta in him. But he was afraid of the devil. Right? And the devil would come to him as a little red light. You know, like, like the, the eyes, of, no, he would see the eyes of the devil as a vision in, in, in his consciousness, and he was, he was so afraid of the devil, really afraid. And I said, well, that's interesting. I've never seen that. Um, so I said, have you ever given him a cup of tea? Yeah? He, what? I said, have you, you know, you know, the devil suffers too. Huh? <laughs> so I said, look, tonight when he comes, you know, just, just yeah, welcome into your room, give him a cup of tea, talk with him. Chat with him. All right. So <laughs> he did it. So the next morning, I said, how'd it go? He said, well, you know, he came. And, and so I said, have a, have a cup of tea. And we both started to cry. So I took him to the shrine room. And we looked at the Buddha. And the Buddha was crying too. <laughs> Everyone was crying. <laughs> and I don't know what that was about. But... But he was certainly happy afterwards. Huh? So <laughs> he embraced fear in his own way. Um, fear is very threatening. You know, it, its nature is very threatening. And it's biological. So I'm not, you know, I'm not advocating you, you, know, you embrace the bear. <laughs> I had one, you know, when you see a bear, the biological fear is very helpful. Or if you're a woman, you don't go down a dark alley alone, unless you're dumb. <laughs> so, so, that, so fear is not right or wrong, but it's the sociological fears that have, conditioned, that have been conditioned into us uh, in, a, in a way, inadvertently, that are not necessary. They're not necessary fears, and we can liberate the mind from them. There was a, there was a Thai man in... New Zealand, he was a student, and I'm still friends with him. This is 30 years ago. And his parents, to punish him, had would put him in a cupboard and said, if you don't behave yourself, the pee will get you. And he was terrified of ghosts. The pee is ghost. In, in, yeah, did I get the tone right? Anyway, you know what I know again. I failed again. <laughs> so, so he was terrified of ghosts. And, you know, as a Westerner, I'm always interested. Where are they? Because I don't have the cultural conditioning of fear around ghosts, right? And what not a chat. We had no Thai monks stayed with us overnight for at least two or three years because it's a burning ground 
All the Thai monks were afraid of ghosts. The Western monks were all looking under the trees. Where are they? Because we don't have the cultural conditioning of fear. We still have fear. It just comes up in different ways, right? So the more you can uh, make conscious, you know, the way I like to teach, let the feeling of fear become conscious rather than I have to work on my fear because I have a fear problem, right? Uh, I tried that. When, when Lompo sees, I was at what, Banbei, Lompo sees father had died. And so they had his corpse at the boundary of the monastery on stilts. Uh, and it was going to be burned the next day. I said, oh, great, I can look at a corpse. Right? And I had read about Ajahn Chah and his fear and the charnel ground and all that. I said, wait, I can face my fears. So I went out there and I just sat kind of beside, under, under, the, under the coffin, kind of. And I thought, I'll look at my fear. I fell asleep. <laughs> no fear. But, but then give a Dhamma talk, I was petrified. So it's not, you know, fear is going to come up in different ways, in different situations, just because of cultural conditioning, that's all. But the fear is still the fear. So anytime my sense of it is, is, as long as it's not biological, if fear comes up into your mind, it's a very good thing. As long as it's not dangerous, it's a very good thing because it's an opportunity to purify the fear from consciousness. And by, by allowing this to come up into consciousness and witnessing it as an object, as an dukkanatta means embracing it, it goes through you, you feel it in the body, you shake or whatever you do, but it goes away from consciousness and it no longer haunts you. Whereas if fear comes up and you just avoid it, distract it, get away from it uh, or whatever, and it's not dangerous, it will always haunt you. It will always be the ghost. That is the ghost. It's the fear that's the ghost. And it'll always be there, oh, and I don't want to look at that, I don't want to look at that. And, and, and so my sense of it is much of our suffering is around fear. You know, you know social anxiety, what it's, you know, who am I kind of thing. And I've, I've, I've always felt when it comes up, great. Not, not that I feel great, right? But now's a chance for purification. It's a good thing. And that's Sajan Chah's idea that these are the partners and, 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 and friends in developing barmi and purification. Same with anger. Anger comes up, right? If you, if you don't blame whoever you're angry at, and you see, oh, this is, this is kilesa arising now, this is defilement arising now, it's not wrong to have it. Uh, it is just the way it is. And then you can b- witness to it as a bodily feeling. It liberates the heart. And that's the idea of the asava, you know, we, we have this idea of outflows. These, these things come up into consciousness and you witness them and the mind gets free. And, and one of the ways we talk about Nibbana or liberation is the mind no longer experiences the asavas. The asavas have died away. And that process is, 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 you know, painful, but it's very, very liberating. So really now, I, I have a lot of happiness for... Partially because, you know, I've lived a good life. There's the happiness, the consequence of living a good life, right? And also the happiness that now fear doesn't arise in situations where it used to arise. And that came about because I was, you know, I, 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 I learned how to 
feel fear as an object rather than be a fearful guy. Huh? So our, our happiness comes from the, those different ways and then that's the basis for deeper samadhi and deeper insight and so on and so forth. So they're important things. Okay, I'll answer this. I'll try to answer the second question tomorrow. I think that's sufficient for today. Yeah. <laughs>